Hello, 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 and welcome to the second episode of my podcast, Forbidden Bliss with Bianca Monet. In this episode, I wanted to talk about my own personal experience um, while at Grambling State University and what I kind of went through my two years that I was there and my experiences. So coming from a predominantly white town, community, school environment, and going to Gramlin State was kind of a culture shock to me. Um, Just a little background on what it was like for me, you know, growing up in the community that I still live in and going to school. Um, I really went to predominantly white schools in a predominantly white school district. Now, fortunately, being at school, of course, there were other black kids there, black and brown kids that I became friends with and were friends with. And it was a small group of us, small percentage. But, you know, if we didn't know each other or were friends on a personal level, we definitely knew each other's faces. We knew each other's names, etc., etc. And going to um, predominantly white schools wasn't so bad for me. Like I said, um, I still had black friends there. And, you know, Monday through Friday, I went to school and I dealt with them and were friends with them. And I was still fortunate enough that on the weekends, I had extracurricular activities that, you know, I was surrounded by black people and black kids. I went to a predominantly white church. I mean, sorry, a predominantly black church. Um, I went or I was on a predominantly black step team. I was on the dance team and I was on some other things, track and this and that. So I was still surrounded by black people, even though during like the week in school, I was around predominantly white people. Now, after graduating high school, I attended a junior college in Dallas that was very diverse, had people from all walks of life, black people, brown people, Muslims, Hispanic, like, you know, Japanese, Hispanic, everybody was kind of like a big melting pot being at a DCCD school. Now, transferring into Gremlin, I went to Gremlin at 23 years old, and going to Gremlin wasn't something that was fairly new to me. I come from a pretty long legacy of Gremlin State alum. My mother, my aunt, my great-grandmother, everybody kind of went to Gremlin, graduated from Gremlin, and that's kind of all I knew growing up, especially about HBCUs. I don't even think I really looked at other HBCUs as hard as I looked at going to Gremlin. Of course, I applied to other schools, but Gremlin was definitely like the top of the list, number one for me. So going to Gremlin and being there my first two years, it was cool. My mom kind of gave me the rundown before I was got there. And while I was there, you know, she said that it was like the greatest experience of her life because she also went to predominantly white schools throughout her childhood, graduated from a white high school, And she was like, I never saw so many black people in my life. Like, I never saw so many black people on the yard, at football games, homecomings. And she was absolutely right. It was like the greatest, greatest thing ever to look out and just see black people everywhere. Now, with that being said, um, some things that were new to me going to Grambling and attending Grambling was being exposed to harassment, street harassment, catcalling, just the whole nine. Going to a white school, a white high school, I didn't really, well, I hardly ever got 
harassed by black kids, black men there. And definitely I didn't get harassed by the white guys or white students that were there. You know, they kind of stuck to their own, dated their own. And a lot of the black guys that I went to high school with kind of dated white girls for the most part. So I never really experienced going through anything of that nature. Now, of course, um, I graduated back in 2012 from high school. And back in 2008, 9, 10, that was like the rise of social media, the MySpaces, the Twitters. So we were able to reach out and become social with other black kids in the surrounding communities, the Garlands, Rollettes, Rockwall. So um, like I said, on the weekends and stuff, we used to go out and party and go to other social events with black kids. Now, were there times, you know, growing up in Dallas and attending these events, were there guys that were, you know, disrespectful and harassing and catcalling? Of course. But it was on the weekends. I didn't deal with it 24-7 on a day-to-day basis, unlike when I went to Gremlin. Now, for most people who don't know, Gremlin is a pretty small campus. However, it's a very open campus. It's not gated off. Um, from the community. People from the community can come on the campus. People from everywhere can come on the campus. So it wasn't just black students and black, you know, black people of the community that was on campus. There were people that were coming from Monroe and Shreveport and Jonesboro and other surrounding small towns, you know, just to come on campus. They were bored. They knew that the college was popping and they wanted to be on the scene, Um, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. So, um, my experience dealing with black guys at Gramlin, it was okay, I guess. It was a lot because I just wasn't used to just being around all black everything 24-7. I was always able to kind of like take a break and was able to kind of like distance myself if I needed to or wanted to. But being in a predominantly black town and going to a predominantly black school, you're just surrounded by it. And it was kind of hard. I remember like my first, probably my first month at Gremlin, I walked around a lot on campus by myself. I'm pretty to myself in general if I don't know you. And doing that, I was subjected to a lot of harassment, a lot of catcalling, a lot of street harassment, the yelling at it, whistling and all that and whatnot. And it kind of made me uncomfortable. Um, Gremlin is like the university itself. There are always new kids that come, of course, freshmen and this and that, but everyone kind of knows everybody. If you don't know them personally, you know people who know them. Um, everyone's pretty close-knit, and they go, they attend or are in, in the same organizations and clubs as one another. When I was at Gremlin, I did not join any clubs, any social events, no Greek, anything. I was pretty much to myself. I went to Gremlin to be a student to get my education and to get up out of there, to keep going and pursue what, what it is I wanted to pursue. So people really didn't know me. They saw me walking around by myself, usually with my earphones in, or sometimes I would walk around without them. And it was like, well, who is this new girl? Like, she's cute, you know, if I do say myself myself, it is what it is, but hey, I'm cute, I'm by myself, I'm walking around, like who is this girl? So it's kind of like just being thrown to the wolves in a sense. And it was kind of hard for me. I remember where I lived at on campus, my dorm was an all girls dorm, but I 
lives kind of by like the track and if you know Gramlin's campus you know where I'm talking about but I won't say or put names out or anything like that but I lived right next to the track and in order to get to different places on campus you have to walk through the express through the yard to get to the calf get to the library get to your classes etc etc so that became kind of difficult for me um walking around by myself mainly because of the street harassment um you know you have guys yelling at you whistling at you trying to get your attention and if you don't show them the time of day or give them the time of day then it's the f you bitch and this and that and the other and they're just calling you with everything but your name and I remember specifically um, one time I was walking and I had my earphones in. I remember this like it was yesterday because this was probably like a really big trigger for me. But um, I was walking on campus from my dorm to the calf and I had my earphones on. Um, I think a song was playing, if I'm not mistaken. Even when I didn't or when I wasn't listening to music, I always walked around with my headphones on. Um, just so people you would think people would leave you alone, but they don't. And I remember walking through these group of guys. It was probably like three or four of them. And the song that I was listening to, it was just about to go off. Like it was getting to the ending point of it. But my music wasn't playing very loudly. So I was still able to hear the guys and what they were saying a little bit. And I remember, you know, walking through and one of the guys was like, how you doing? what's your name? Like, you know, back and forth, like, how you doing? How you doing? Like trying to get me to talk to him. And I'm the type of person, I don't make eye contact. I don't speak. I just keep, you know, looking forward and just going about my life. And one of the other guys was like, I don't think she hear you, bro. Like, I don't think she hear you. And he's like, nah, she hear me. She just ignoring me. And then one of the other dudes was like, oh, well, I bet if I call her a trick ass bitch, hoe ass bitch, I bet she'll fucking hear me like, you know, this and that and other. And he just started cursing me out, calling me all types of names, mother this, F you this, you know, just saying the most disrespectful things to get a reaction out of me. And like I said, at that time, the music was off. So I heard him, but I was past them. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, what in the world is wrong with people? Like, what in the wrong, what's wrong with you that you would think that it's okay to just go on this this full-blown temper tantrum as a grown-ass man just because a girl is not paying you attention and that really like stuck with me I remember I feel like I almost cried that day I don't even know what was going on but probably due to like a lot of stuff that was happening before weeks before and then that day that just kind of like stuck with me and made me kind of emotional but I didn't cry I just I know my eyes watered like it did kind of trigger me a little bit and that was kind of the day that I decided or kind of, you know, figured out that day, like, I can't keep doing this. So from that point on, I really drove like everywhere to campus. If, you know, to class, to the calf, this and that and the other, it got so bad to the point that I wouldn't even walk to the calf by myself. I would, I had morning classes, like eight o'clock classes. And what I would do is I would stop at the express and, you know, there's like a little grocery store in our express and I would stock up on different foods and different stuff like that to have back in my room so that I wouldn't have to go back out throughout the day or, you know, days and be subjected to that. If I was hungry and I wanted to go to the calf, I would always call my friend or call some friends like, hey, are y'all hungry? Like, y'all want to meet me at the calf? Excuse me. And, you know, this and that and the other because I just did not 
feel comfortable walking on that campus by myself anymore being subjected to that I felt like if I walked with somebody even if it was another girl I wouldn't be by myself and that kind of made me more secure and more safe so that just I just I don't know that really just did something to me and made me just realize that although I'm on a campus with my own people where I should feel safe and protected that these guys still are very much disrespectful and I just, mm -mm, it just wasn't me. I'm not the type of person naturally that lets people disrespect them. Even if I don't know you and I'm walking past you, you know, saying stuff to me. But I mean, what am I to do? I'm a young girl. I'm a pretty, I'm petite, you know, small little thing. So if I were to go off and cuss his ass back out, what, what, what could he do to me? What would he do to me if I did? So you just kind of had to learn how to like shut up and take it and let it roll off your back. However, it was really hard for me to do so. And then, you know, that was just like one moment that really, really stuck out to me. But I will remember just being out on the yard or being in the calf. Like I said, I really didn't speak to many people. I had a close group of friends there that I learned, like that I had over time and got to know over time, which was like probably like five or six people that were in my major that I met in class, you know. So besides those you know, six, seven people, five or six people. I didn't really talk to anybody else on campus. I hated going to the CAF because usually I would sit by myself or I would try to find my friends in the CAF, like text them before I went in, like, hey, are y'all in the CAF today? Are y'all in the CAF right now? So I can go in and sit with other people because, you know, I'm sure probably like at other HBCUs, people just stare you up and down. It's a fashion show. <laughs> you know, people are just, you know, they're nosy and they just want to know who everybody is you know, getting the stairs going into the calf, it's like, feels like all eyes are on you. And, you know, the guys are looking at you like a pack of hyenas. And I just really felt uncomfortable. A lot of times I would get food and just pack it up in napkins and go back to my room. Or I wouldn't leave my dorm room throughout the day. Like people would like to hang out on, on the yard and chill and do this and that. That was not really me unless I was out with my friends. But even then, I didn't like walking places by myself to even go meet my friends because I just didn't want to go through what it was that I knew I was going to go through. And, you know, I remember just walking around one day and I remember this guy pulling up on the side of me on FaceTime with this other boy. He was a football player and like literally sticking his you know phone in my face as he's driving and I'm walking on the sidewalk like yeah bro this is her this is her that's the girl I'm telling you about like just all in my face and I'm just like what and then he just drives off and I'm like who is it that he just showed me to on his phone like just stuff like that I never dealt with at all ever and it really just kind of shook me like, who are these people that are trying to get to know, like trying to know who I am and I don't know who they are. And like, you know, you know, people are just, I don't know, especially being at a small HBCU, everybody kind of knows everybody. And if they don't know you, they're trying to get to know you. And it's not on some like Southern hospitality type shit. It's on some nosy, messy, let me try to get at her type stuff. And I really wasn't for that. I really missed out on going to like a lot of basketball games or certain things like that because I hated walking in to basketball games. I feel like all eyes was on me and, you know, being the type of person that I am and the type of young lady that I am, I always like wore makeup. My hair was always done. 
I always kind of dressed up for the most part. Like I didn't go to class looking any kind of way. And, you know, I was attractive. And so that brought me a lot of attention. Like, who's this new girl that nobody knows who doesn't really talk to anybody? Like, what's she about? So after that, I really started to don't want to say change the way I dressed and all that, but I kind of did so that attention wouldn't be drawn to me. So I would kind of wear sweats more often. I wouldn't wear my makeup as much, but my hair was always did because that's just the type of person I am. Like, I'm not going to walk around with my hair and I did. But I started to change myself in a lot of ways so that I wouldn't have attention drawn to me. And it changes you. It makes you feel like every time you walk out, regardless if you're wearing sweats or not, people are still going to bother you and, you know, objectify you. And it kind of did shift and change my perspective on my college experience. Um, I don't know. I remember going to a football game and walking back from that football game. I was with my friends and it was a group of guys who lived right like the dorm across from my dorm. And I kid you not, from the moment that I moved into those dorms walking around, these group of guys in particular always wanted or tried to talk to me, always yelled stuff at me, always did this and that to me. And I remember walking out from this football game, walking back to my dorm with my friends, and they drove by in a pickup truck, and they're just, hey, hey, bitch, hey, hey, bitch, I know you hear us talking to you, you bitch, like, it's like it goes from being respectable to being like just downright disrespectful. And that's kind of when I knew that I didn't really want to go to football games either. Like I just did not want to be on that campus, walking around that campus for any other purpose unless it was school or for classes. And I really started to drive myself everywhere. I drove myself to class so I, you know, and drove myself back so that I didn't have to deal with walking on campus and being subjected to that. I always, if I needed to get like information or turn in papers, turn in forms to, you know, departments or offices, I always got up early in the morning so that I could, you know, kind of not subject myself to that because everybody, everybody was usually sleep still at eight o'clock and I'm up at eight o'clock getting my work done, getting stuff taken care of so that I can get back to my room or, you know, handle business as soon as possible. Now, um, <clears throat> those things kind of changed a lot once I moved off campus. I moved off campus to like some surrounding apartments. So that was really cool for me. And that was like a big way off my shoulder. Um, being able to live off campus and not really be around that as much. But I mean, it still happened. And overall, I just didn't really deal with it. And I learned how to navigate through it. But I really didn't go to many places on campus if I did go to like day parties and stuff or certain parties, I went with my friends. I kind of really secluded myself, though. I only hung out with a certain group of people just because I really just did not want to deal with the verbal abuse, the street harassment. Now, um, when it comes to like or when it came to like relationships and stuff with people on campus, like guys, I really didn't date anybody my two years there. There were people that I got to know overall, but Oh, nah, it just did not work. Um, Cause niggas be liars. I mean, like niggas be lying, you know? They got, they'll tell you that they don't have a girlfriend. And of course, like, since I'm the new girl and I don't know anybody and I lived on one side of campus, their girlfriend was living on the other side of campus. Like, you know what I'm saying? There was a guy that I met and um, 
you know, long story short, he told me that he didn't have a girlfriend. And I found out that he did have a girlfriend. Um, later on, I kind of cut him off. But he was definitely still at my door. Like, nah, that's not my girl. That's not this and that. And then, like, you know, the friends that I had at, um, at Gremlin, they were there for years. They probably were there all four years. So I would, like, tell them or ask them about this guy. And they're like, girl, yeah, he got a girlfriend. Like, you know how these dudes be. And it was just crazy. You know, like, you ask them, do you have a girlfriend? Nope. Do you have any kids? Nope. Term, come to find out they got girls that's pregnant by them. They got girlfriends living on, you know, off campus in apartments and stuff. So, of course, you don't know who they are unless you ask around or unless you know people that know them. And it was just a lot. So, ultimately, I really just became, like, to myself and really didn't deal with people on that level. But I don't know. I loved my HBCU experience when it came to my classes, because I'm a very studious person. I took my education very serious. Um, I was that kid that studied like four or five hours every single day. I would go to classes, my classes in the morning, and spend the rest of my day in my room to myself, doing whatever and doing homework. I didn't, you know, really go out like that or do anything like that until I got a job and then, you know, I was able to commute and do things of that nature. But, yeah, that was, it was really difficult. It was really, really difficult to deal with that a little bit. Well, yeah, a little bit. Just because I felt like everything that my parents or that my mom told me about Gremlin. And, you know, I'm sure they probably had to deal with that back in the day. But it's just so prevalent now. And it's not just on HBCU campuses. It's definitely on PWI campuses as well, but I'm speaking from my experience at an HBCU being harassed and followed and cameras in my face, you know, by guys, by black men who I thought or who you would think would be more respectful towards black women, you know, and that's just not what I, I really got. Now, I was fortunate enough to meet a few black men on campus that were very respectful, um, that walked with me places because I would ask them to, and they understood where I was coming from, but the percentage of those guys to the percentage of the guys that were the complete opposite was, who, one out of a hundred. <laughs> like, it's crazy, but I mean, I guess it makes you stronger. I came out of Gremlin mentally stronger um i feel like going to a hbcu you have to be mentally strong more than anything you know because that's all it is it's the turning down going to the parties and saying nah bro like i know there's going to be more parties to come like let me stay in and do these do these papers and do these assignments and do this and that it's it's all of that and i'm so grateful for coming out mentally stronger i'm so grateful that I didn't experience anything really worse than the street harassment and the catcalling and the verbal harassment because I did hear of stories of, you know, women I knew that were sexually harassed or sexually assaulted or, you know, raped or this and that. And they were kind of scared to come out and talk about their experiences out of fear of retaliation, isolation, shaming. You know, I remember particularly a friend of mine, she told me about something that happened to her, but she wouldn't come forward about it or speak out about it because she wanted to join 
certain Greek organi uh, organizations and clubs. And she knew that if she did, she wouldn't be able to attend them or be in them because of that. And it's sad that we have to choose between being safe on our own campuses over joining clubs or, you know, things of that nature. They should protect us a lot more and they should be, you know, more open to women coming out and exposing these men. But instead, they shame the girls. Instead, it's the, well, you shouldn't have been wearing this or you shouldn't have been doing that. Or you knew he had a girlfriend. Why would you even like, first of all, y'all, these dudes be lying. If it's one thing a dude can do is lie. They will tell you one thing and be on some whole other stuff and their girlfriends believe them and you know their girlfriends will stick up for them and it's always that I don't see how these girls can mess around with these guys knowing that they have girlfriends and knowing this and that about them and it's like one all of the like all of us don't know that these guys have girlfriends everybody's not in everyone's business the way that y'all think that like we are that's just not the case and two Last time I checked, your man doesn't have amnesia. He knows that he's with you, but do you think that he cares when he's out here walking around on campus trying to talk to other girls, trying to get at other girls while you're in your dorm room or while you're in class or while you're dealing with extracurricular activities? No. You know, it's just like I don't like when women try to put other women down or try to bash other women for stuff, especially about some lying-ass boys. Like, if it's one thing you should know about your man, you know he's a liar because he be lying to you all the time. And I mean, hey, he lies on, he lies to you, cheats on you, does this and that. And he comes right back to you every single night. And, you know, you guys think that you're the prize or you got a prize in him because, quote unquote, he always knows where home is. And it's like, well, yeah, if I was out cheating and stuff, I will always come back to your ass, too, because I know you'll keep taking me back no matter how many fleas I bring back. So, I mean, hey, who's really the dumbass? <laughs> I mean, that's the way I see it. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Like, you know, I've graduated. I've moved on. I don't talk to anybody as far as the guys that I dealt with. I block all the asses. They try to add me on social media all the time, and I just block, unfollow block. And, you know, you don't get nothing out of me anymore. But, yeah, it was just, it was just different. I really enjoyed the time I had when I was there, the good times. And I guess, you know, I guess I should appreciate the bad times too that I had there because it made me stronger. I just wish that I didn't have to go through some of those things. And I'm sure I wasn't the only girl on campus that was going through it. I can just say, speaking for myself as a new person going to that campus that nobody knew that, you know, was attractive in this and that my experience dealing with those guys and dealing with, you know, some of the guys on that campus. But hey, you live and you learn and all you can do is just keep getting better. But yeah, that's all I really have for this podcast. Um, I just really wanted to touch on that. And who knows, maybe I can help some other people out and, you know, dealing with the things that I dealt with. I never really had to, you know, my street harassment or things that was going on, the cat calling and all the verbal abuse, I never really told anybody about as far as like a cop or a professor or anything, just because 
I didn't feel like that was really necessary in my case. No one really did anything to me. But, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? For the women that are dealing with, you know, the actual assaults and the rapes and things, all I can just say is and encourage you to do is speak up about your experience. Don't let anybody tell you to stay silent. Um, and don't feel ashamed. You know, whether that guy had a girlfriend or not, whether that guy, you know, this and that and the other, it was never your fault. And it's not your fault. And I never want a woman to feel like them being disrespected, degraded, belittled by any man is ever their fault. So, yeah, that's all I have for you guys on this podcast And as always, I'm going to always usually end with this in some form or fashion, but justice for Breonna Taylor, justice for Elijah McClain, justice for Vanessa Gillian, justice for all, you know, those black people out there that were killed by the hands of white cops and uh, white supremacists. Um, All black lives matter and none of us are free until we're all free. And until next time, God bless.